to read from Psalm Psalm 16. I want to read 7 through 9, and then I'm going to just jump down to verse 11. Psalm 16, 7 through 9, and then verse 11. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me. Because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. Verse 11, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The title of tonight's message is What He Makes Known. What He Makes Known. But let's not get caught up in in, in the title. The, The bulk of what we're talking about is where He makes it known. In His presence. In His presence. If Go back and read this passage again. It is all about the benefits that come from being in the presence of God. It talks about the lingering effects of being in the presence of God. After being in the presence of the Lord. That even when we go to bed, my mind is still fruitful because in your presence there's this lingering effect of what you do. I'm talking tonight about being intentional, about being in His presence, and then being mindful of the fact that when we leave His presence, which we don't leave His presence, but when we go about those other things, stepping outside of that intentionality of, of, of being in His Word or prayer or worship, that there, He still lingers. You can still smell Him. You can still feel Him. You can still hear Him. Such incredible blessings are poured out over us when we set the Lord before us. I continually set the Lord before me. It's a a conscious, intentional act of acknowledging His presence and getting in it and then getting everything out of it that God has for us. Not the least of these benefits is that God makes some pretty amazing stuff known. Uh, over a year and a half ago, and I don't remember the exact time, but I was spending some time with the Lord and I was in prayer and I was just praying about the church and just talking to the Lord, just in conversation with Him. Um, speaking, sharing my mind, sharing my thoughts, listening, hearing what His heart had to say what, what his word had to say. And in the midst of that discussion, God spoke this to my heart. He said, you're not going to see the incremental growth that you want to see and that other churches see. But I'm going to double you. Not double you like the letter. I'm going to double Impact Rock. I'm going to double you. You're going to double 
when you hear something like that from the Lord, you're immediately faced with two responses. Believe it or don't believe it. And whatever your response is, there's actions that follow that response. So when I heard that from the Lord, before I mean, it resonated as truth and I knew it was the Lord the minute He spoke it. But right away, I'll tell you what my first response was. I don't like it. I don't like it. That was my first response. I don't like it, Lord. It is so much easier to grow a church with incremental growth, guys. That is so much easier. It is so much easier to talk to other pastors when there's incremental growth. Hey, brother, how's your, how's Impact Rock doing? You know, uh, you guys growing any? No. I mean, not, not numbers, but in, you know, in other cool ways. Oh, okay. Oh. Hey, how, how big is Impact Rock? Oh, we're, you know, about, you know, 100 people, kids included. Oh. So when I asked you a year ago, that was like the same answer you gave me. Yeah, thanks for remembering. That's awfully sweet of you to be counting. I didn't like it, but I believed it. I knew it was true. Okay? I knew it was true. So much so that I started talking about it. Started telling people, God's going to double us. God's going to double us. And at first, you know, in speaking about it, I think people thought that I was just making this proclamation of, of faith. And I'm like, no, no, no. God's going to double us. You guys, here, here's that's the awesome part. That's the awesome part. God's going to double us. Here's the difficult part. He said we're not going to see incremental growth. He's just going to double us. When you get a word like that, you have to respond one way or another. Either I believe this word or I don't believe this word. We responded with, I believe this word. I believe this word. So then we started counting and adding and measuring and saying, okay, let's, let's ask some good questions. Number one, if we double, is this space big enough? And the answer was no. And we asked, if we double, have we raised up enough leaders? Have we poured into and equipped enough saints for the work of the ministry? Have we raised up enough leaders? And the answer was no. And then the third question, should we start a building fund? And the answer was yes. So we had a no, no, yes. With these answers, once again, we moved forward in faith, acting like we believed it. So we started looking for a building like crazy. We scoured everything in Erie, and to our dismay, there was nothing. But we kept thinking, if he's going to double us, we got to be somewhere. So we started looking outside of Erie. We're like, Lord, open something up in Erie. And we'd go look at places, and it just didn't feel right to anybody. And we found that place over there near the Safeway. And we, I think we talked ourselves into it because it was open, because it was available and it was eerie. We talked ourselves into it. We're like, we can make this work. Because we're people full of faith and we're talented and we're hardworking. And, and we've got vision. And so we caught the vision. But then God amazed us with His provision. We didn't find a building. God just hand-delivered it to us. But we were out there beating the pavement trying to find that building. We, we put our faith into action. We put our belief into action. And we scheduled uh, another round of leadership training. And, and we went through, and, and for leadership training, here's our belief in this. Is that we got a church full of leaders. There's only limited titles 
in the church. There's only limited functions in the church. But, but there's, there can be unlimited leaders. And so we started leadership training in other sessions to raise up more leaders. And then we started asking people, guys, give into this building fund. Give. Hey, on top of your tithes, we're asking you to give. On top of what you bring to the Lord that belongs to Him, we're asking you to give. And we started doing that. And then we started seeing money come in from other sources. And, and we just started seeing God's faithfulness and the ridiculous ways He's provided. But friends, it took a moment of belief and then it took action items that followed that belief, that told the world, I believe. Now when I tell people we're going to double, and I tell people we're going to double, I get mixed results, as you can imagine. Some people look at me like, that's a dangerous thing to say. That, that's the look I get. It's a dangerous thing to say. Not really. Because I didn't say we were going to grow the church. I didn't say we were going to double the church. I said, God said He's going to double the church. It's easy for me to stand up and say, we're going to double. Because that's what, what I am firm that I heard the, the Lord speak to my heart. And so we put action behind it. And then we start looking at the ways He's provided since then. Quick message to everyone in this church. You are empowered to lead, so lead. You are empowered to minister, so minister. You are empowered to touch and to relate, so do it. Our belief dictates our actions. Right? Our belief dictates our actions. And let me tell you this. It's easier to move and to walk in faith when we've heard from God. And it's easy to hear from God when we intentionally go into His presence. It's easier to walk in faith when we've heard from God. And it's easier to hear from God when we are intentional about getting into His presence. I'm not talking about um, just, you know, and we all do it, and so this is not like condemning. I'm not talking about like, you know, the nickel and dime time that we give Him. I'm not talking about drive time. I'm not talking about, you know, you know just a, you know... I'm talking about when we, when we say, Lord, this is the time. I'm, it's, only, it's only 20 minutes, Lord God, but I'm getting in your presence. And for 20 minutes, it's me and you and nothing else. And that's the best 20 minutes of your day. I believe that we miss out on a ton of great blessings by simply not spending quiet, alone time with God. Go back and read that passage Psalm 16, it is awesome. And it is all about blessings that come from setting the Lord before us. I quote all the time. The end of that in verse 11 when it says, in His presence is what? Fullness of joy. Friends, in His presence is fullness of and pleasures and peace and strength 
and love and rest. In His presence is fullness. It's fullness, guys. There's nothing half-hearted or half-giving about it. In the Lord's presence is fullness of everything we need. As we get closer to moving into our building, I want to pose some other questions to us tonight. In fact, some questions that I heard this week. When we double. When we double. Okay, these are the questions. When we double, what do we need to do to connect with them? When we double, what do we need to do to minister to them? When we double, what do we need to do to lead them? And when we double, what do we need to do to keep them? It's good questions, huh? When we double. Friends, we need to grab a hold of that part first. When we double. What do we need to... Kara, stand up for one second. I, I just want to be a totally clear. Sometimes our words... So I'm not saying when we double, what do we need to do? Okay? You know, Andy and Brad. It's not when we double, what do we... No, it's friends, when we double, what do we need to do to minister, to lead, to connect, and to keep them. So this week I had some really good meetings with the Lord. Really good. And He led me to this scripture that I'm about to read, and I didn't realize why He led it to me until I heard these questions. Okay? I'd I'd gotten this scripture, I'm like, oh, that's good, that's nice, that's awesome. Philippians is always awesome. But it wasn't until these questions were posed that I started seeing the Lord's answers in this. The answer to these questions that I just asked, they are found in Philippians chapter 2. The answer to every one of those I just posed, they're found in Philippians chapter 2. In the previous chapter, Paul is, he is talking to the church, he is encouraging the church, he is camping on the themes of unity, and he is camping on on the themes of living our lives worthy of the gospel. It's awesome. Philippians 1 is awesome. 27 through the end of the chapter, and then right in here to chapter 2. Living our lives worthy of the gospel. But doing so as the church in unity. So to start uh, chapter 2, verse 1, he uses therefore. So anytime you get a therefore, go back and read the previous things. you got to know what the therefore is there for. So... Um, It says, therefore, or in this translation it says, so, but it's the word, therefore. So Philippians 2, 1 through 7. So, therefore, if, and just so you guys know, that if is not Paul stating doubt. Okay? It's not if, basically what he's saying is, if, and this is certainly the case. If, and this is proven to be so. Okay? It's like an if-then statement. It's, It's a provable statement. If this, then this. Okay, so he says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by doing this. 
But we can just pause right there. Those other things are pretty fantastic. Those other things just describe what happens when we come together as a church. This is what happens when we come together. There's encouragement in Christ. There's comfort from love and affection. There's participation in the Spirit. And there's affection and sympathy. There's understanding, man. We're moved with compassion for one another. There might be a translation instead of, you know, sympathy there. It's compassion. We're moved with compassion and we respond with the heart of God. Because we've got the heart of the Father in us. So he's saying, if there are these things, which there are, then complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. So once again, he's speaking again about unity. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant, being born in the likeness of men. I love that. Paul, Paul refers to himself as a bondservant throughout his writing. That'll be part of his intro. I, Paul, a bondservant of Christ. Why does he say that? Because this is what he, this is how he sees Jesus. He calls Jesus a bondservant. One who is free and willingly stays in the master's house because he knows there's nothing for him out there. That's what a bondservant is, guys. A bondservant is a free man who stays willingly in the master's house because he knows there's nothing better for me out there. I will stay in the master's house. And he refers to Jesus as a bondservant. And then at times he refers to himself. Church, when we double, and please hear me, we will double. Because God is true. Because it will be God doing it, not us. And when we double, this is our handbook. So I've read two things to us so far. One is about getting in the presence of God. And two is talking about unity and how to live our lives worthy of the gospel and putting others ahead of ourselves. I love what Kara said. We need a sign somewhere that says that. Your comfort zone, your place of comfort, right here. Where the magic happens, baby. What you're comfortable with. And where the magic happens, so much bigger. I don't know how big the, I haven't seen the, the picture in the office, but in my mind, that's what it is. It's this, and it's like a huge, massive poster. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love. Having the same love. You guys, do, do we know how important that is? It is impossible to be in unity without love. I believe that. I believe it. Otherwise, what are we, what are we in unity over? An ideal? What are we in unity over? A hope? 
how can you be in unity without love? And I believe it's love of Jesus Christ, but then it continues to love for one another because it's the same love. Be of the same love. We love Him and we love each other. It's the same. We, we can't have unity without that. Complete my joy. And I even love that. Paul is like, these other things are great, but complete my joy by taking it further. Having the same love. Being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Friends, it's real hard. We, we, I, I pose the question, how, how will we minister to them? How will we lead them? How will we connect with them? How will we keep them? It will be by stepping beyond our comfort and making them more important than us. Last week I preached on trust. On trust harder, not try harder. This, this flows right in it. We trust God for my daily bread. I trust God to meet every one of my needs. I come into His presence and I know I will not be without. I will not lack. I will come into His presence and my God will meet my needs. And I, in turn, will also share some of that with others. Because I know I'm never going to go without because I know who my God is. I trust Him. For the first time since I've been out of the workplace, which is about 20 months, 20 months ago is when I worked my last hour in the corporate world and I have been full-time at Impact Rock since that time. So for the first time in 20 months, I find myself in a place that is truly familiar to probably all of you, to at least, you know, almost all of you. This is at that place where I am trying to find time with God in the midst of a busy and chaotic schedule. Prior to this building fund, part of my paid time on the clock at Impact Rock included spending time in prayer. Part of my job description and my time on the clock included spending time in the Word, preparing messages, studying, and and spending time with people during the daytime. But those days are over. At least right now. They are. Don't get me wrong. I still do those things. I just don't do them 8 to 5. Except for maybe a lunch break. I can squeeze in a lunch meeting every now and then. I just don't do those things very very often, 8 to 5. Because my job description has changed. I now have gotten paid to hang drywall, to meet with contractors, to draw site plans, and develop written narratives for the town of Erie. And in this new season, I have been faced with this obstacle. How do I find time to spend with God in the midst of this busy schedule? The same place you're at. I mean, do any of you guys get paid to spend time with the Lord in prayer? Any of you guys get paid to work on teachings and developing sermons? So we're in the same boat right now. So how do I find time to spend time with God in this busy schedule? And the answer is a familiar one, and it should be one that you expect. What's my answer? I don't find time. 
I don't. I don't find time. My, my schedule's too busy. I don't find time. It's too hectic. My, my hours are allotted for. I don't find time from 8 to 5. I make time. I make time. See, we got the same 24 hours. Okay? We've got the same 24 hours. God has not multiplied my time and He has not multiplied yours. I know He's capable of it. He just hadn't done it. I haven't experienced it. We've got 24 hours. And so now I have to make time. Many times I feel that the time's not there to be found. Do you guys ever feel that way? Does that resonate with you? The time's just not there. The heart's there. The desire's there. And the intentionality's there. I just can't find the time. Friends, we got to make the time. We make time. This is my experience. And I believe it to be true. And I think it'll resonate with you guys' as truth as well. I've always been able to make time for things I value. Always. I've always been able to make time for things I value. I value my wife. I make time for her. I value my kids. I make time for them. I value my friends. I make time for them. I value whatever I value, I make time for. So I guess i got to ask the question, do we value being in the presence of the Lord enough to make time for Him? Do we treasure it? Do we value it? You guys, I think it's religious bull that says, well, I'm with the Lord all day long. That is, that is bull. That is, there's no intentionality in that. I'm just with Him all day long. You just got done saying you didn't get paid to do that. And unless you're retired and you just like get that, then I envy you, Lord, forgive me. But it takes intentionality. We've got to set in our hearts to be with, to be with Him. And I believe that. I believe what I said. I've always been able to make time for things that I value. And if I don't value it, I won't. And I believe this as well. I spend my money on things I value. Right? And I'm kind of cheap. Like, I I just... But I'll spend my money on the things I value. So with that in mind, let's ask this question. Will we spend our time on the things we value? I like that train of thought because it'll, it communicates limited. Because we all have limited, we all have limited money. And if there's anyone in this church that doesn't have limited money, you need to be given more to the building fund. You unlimited cash flowing sucker. But we all have limited money, right? But we also all, all have limited time. But are we willing to spend our time? And maybe maybe it's not spend our time with the Lord, but spend our time on the Lord. Are we willing to spend our time on the Lord? The best investment that we can make with our time is on Jesus Christ. The best investment we can make on our time is on Jesus Christ. And the best part is this. This investment we make doesn't just benefit us. It benefits everyone around us. The investment you make of time on Jesus Christ 
benefits me and it benefits the person sitting next to you and behind you. It, it flows over. We all see dividends on it. When I invest my time on Jesus, my marriage sees profits. When I invest my time on Jesus, my children, my family sees profits. When I invest my time on Jesus, everything in my life profits. Do you, do you believe what I just said? Then what should follow? Action, right? If you believe what I just said, prove it. I mean, don't prove it to me. Prove it, prove it in our lives. Let's prove it by spending time with the Lord. Invest. 1 Samuel 1.19 says this, They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. 2 Chronicles 29.20 2 Chronicles 29.20 says this, Then Hezekiah the king rose early and gathered the officials of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. Mark 1.35 Mark one thirty five says this, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. You know what those scriptures show me? That in the morning, there is a time when the market is most ripe for this type of investment. In the morning is prime time to make this type of investment. We want to make time Tell me every single one of us can't make time just a little earlier in the morning. Even Hawk, who has an insane morning schedule, if he finds himself for a lack of time, he could still make time a little earlier. But he also gets to cut out a little early, so maybe maybe he gets to make that time later. But we all get the opportunity to make time because we all get that same amount of time allotted to us. Spending that time with the Lord, it doesn't have to be a prayer closet. So as a kid, I'm just going to be honest with you. As a kid, the idea of a prayer closet just never resonated with me. And it's probably because I usually shared a room with my big brother. Um, and we had a closet. And that closet stunk. It, it, it smelled like Scott. You know, I mean, it smelled like Scott's clothes. I mean, not that Scott stinks, but, you know, his closet, you know, his closet. So it was dark, and it was small, and it stank. So the idea of a prayer closet just didn't resonate with me. I'm like, eh. But some of you guys, you're like, oh my gosh, my prayer closet. You speak of it so affectionately. So that's awesome. But I'm making this point. Your prayer closet doesn't have to be a prayer closet. It can be a prayer chair. It can be a prayer booth at your favorite diner. It can be a prayer front seat of your vehicle as it's warming up in the morning. It can be a prayer rock in your backyard. It can be a prayer bench in the park. It can be a prayer... You get the picture, right? For me, for me, this is my prayer chair. Um, This is my prayer snuggler. We call it the snuggler. This is my prayer snuggler. This is where I sit there, and there's like my butt print is there. If you can see it right there. Um... And I normally, I'll sit my iPad on the stool. You know, it's rare that I kick my feet up on it. I'll sit my iPad there. And there's a blanket. And so if it's a little chilly, I'll snuggle up with the Lord. This is, this is my prayer closet. 
Now, there's many places I can go to to be with the Lord. Just like, uh, and I'm a predictable dude, guys. I am not hard to figure out. I'm just not. If I'm hanging with one of my bros, you know, it, it's there's a few things I'm doing, right? We're we're having a, a cup of coffee. We're having a cigar. We're having a beer. If we're talking, if we're talking, like not if we're like going to the movies. You know, I see we'll go back there and we'll go to the movies and and there's no talking in them. If you come to the movies, man, don't talk. But if if, we're, if I want to talk with with a brother, that's one of those things I'm doing. And so the first message I ever preached at Impact Rock in our living room on January 2nd, 2010, I talked about having a beer with Jesus. And my dad was there, and, and out loud he did this. <laughs> he really did. It was quite funny. Um, but I was preaching from a wine rack, you know. It, it's, it's so. But, I, but the whole point of that was what you do when you talk and you want to get to know your friend, do it with Jesus. And for me, those are the things I'm doing. I mean, it's, those are the things I enjoy. Those are the things I enjoy bonding with brothers over. Okay, so that's, you know, so, I, so if I want to just, you know, be with the Lord, hey, I can, I can have a cigar with the Holy Spirit. I can have a, a beer with the Father. I can have coffee with Jesus. I can, you know, I, but if I want to hear from the Lord. That's where I go. Okay? That snuggler. I get alone. I close the door. And the kids, you know, don't knock on the door. Come in. What you doing, Dad? Oh, just spend time with the Lord. Okay. And, and they get it. They understand. This is where I go to hear from Him. To experience Him. To be touched by Him. Where is your chair? Where do you meet with God? Where do you get alone with God and make yourself available and vulnerable to Him? Where that you're stating, you are important to me. In fact, you're the most important thing to me. And so this time is our time. Where do you go to talk to Him? And to listen. To talk to the Lord and to listen in His Word, but also to listen in His Word. To listen in His Logos, but to listen in His Rhema. Where do you go to open yourself up to His power and to be aware of His presence? We sing that song, right? Let us become more aware of your presence. Where do you go where that you can experience His power and be aware of His presence? Where do you go to spend time with Him to make sure that you aren't missing out on all the crazy good blessings that are only found in His presence? And the great thing about the limitless power of our God is that your prayer chair, your prayer snuggler can be anywhere. But my windows face brick walls. I I don't have a pretty backyard. I don't have time to get to the mountains and that's the place I go. Friends, you've got to find somewhere else. Or you've got to just learn to see something different than that brick wall. But find somewhere else. I'd find somewhere else. If it was somewhere 
I, I'm not going to go in the closet. Some people literally go in the prayer closet. Brandon literally goes into a prayer closet. Okay, I can't do that. So if if the if the backyard does, if you can't like ah, uh, you know, because it's so ugly and it all it reminds you of is work, I get it. Walk away. Then go to Village Inn and grab a booth. Let's not miss the point that I'm trying to make here. And let's also not fall into the trap of excuses. Meet with God. Surrender yourself to God. Listen to God. When we meet with a friend, say for lunch, we meet with a friend for lunch, we talk together, we laugh together, maybe we cry together, maybe we pray together, we share together. And then something cool happens. You know, we hug, you know, we fist bump, we whatever, and we go, you know, see you, buddy. And then later in the day, we think of that person because we were with them. Or we'll chuckle. We're like, oh, I love that thing that they said. And, you know, she just makes me laugh. Heck, we might even, we might even still have, there might be a fragrance about us. We're like, oh, that's her perfume. She wears too much of it, but at least it smells nice. But there's a lingering effect, and all day long we're thinking about that time that we had. How much more so, right? How much more so when we meet with our God is there a lingering effect of His presence, of being in His presence where we laugh, we're like, oh God, thank you for reminding me how much you love me. Lord, thank you for reminding me how good you are. Lord, thank you for that thing you said about me. I believe it. The investment of time that we spend on God will always bear fruit, friends. Always. Is your marriage struggling? Are your finances struggling? Are, are you in turmoil? Is there, is there a battle going on within your emotions and in your mind? Will you commit to make the investment of time with the Lord? Because if you will, I promise you this. You will see change. How awesome would it be to say to a marriage counselor, you know, six months down the road going, how's your marriage doing? Doc, we're doing awesome. What changed? I started spending time with God. Hey, how how are you doing? I know you've been struggling and wrestling with some things. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing I'm doing so much better. What changed? I, I made a choice to start spending time in the presence of God. And from that moment on, it changed. I promise you, that will be your answer. I promise you, that will be your answer. Because when we make that investment and in, in our time with the Lord, there's results that are crazy good. Blessings, pleasures forevermore is how Psalm 16 ends. Pleasures forevermore. And He makes known things to us about His goodness, about what's available to us in His presence. Every single one of us in this room gets 24 hours every single day. We get 1,440 minutes every single day. 30 minutes is 2% of our day. 
Will we make the investment of 2% of our day? I know some of you clowns spend two minutes in the bathroom reading the newspaper. Or 2%, 30 minutes. I'm, I, yeah, I, I got Facebook too. I know people spend way more than 2% of their day on Facebook. And looking at memes, I'm not sending any names. Or Sports Center or whatever. I'm not saying don't do those things. That's not what this message is about. I'm saying, can we give him 2% of our day and spend 30 minutes with the Lord intentionally to be in his presence, to experience the fullness of everything we need? Let's listen once again to the blessings of being with the Lord that David describes in Psalm 16. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Can anybody use some good counsel? found in his presence indeed my mind instructs me in the night could we use that sort of lingering effect where that when we go to bed our mind is still be instructed by the lord and we wake up with brilliant ideas because he did that to us friends that's not fairy tale that's truth i have set the lord continually before me because he is at my right hand what is our what does our right hand represent strength. Because he is at my place of strength, I will not be shaken. You know what that means? My right hand can be here. My right hand can be here, but he's still bigger. He's still better. He's still there at my place of strength being stronger. And because he's there, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. Any of us, could we use a glad heart? Could we use a glory that rejoices and a flesh that dwells securely? Why? Because that's what happens when we spend time in the presence of God. Verse 11, you will make known to me the path of life. I just don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what's next. I don't know what the next steps are. Lord, I don't know what the strategy is. When we get to His presence, He makes known to me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of you name it. In your right hand, in your right hand. God's right hand speaks of strength and it speaks of provision. And in His strength for us, and in His provision, His pleasures forevermore. Friends, at this point in my message, I shouldn't have to talk anybody into spending time with the Lord. We should believe His Word enough to let action follow. And then reap the benefits of that investment with Him. Let's pray.